In the darkness, Jackrabbit swings his fist at Strahovix. The hit connects, and Strahovix stumbles back. The only light in the scene comes from the doorway, where Juno's robotic form is silhouetted. The title reads, A Bond in Common. Relationships are tested when an incoming threat is revealed. So in our first panel, we see Ezra uh, skateboarding his way home from school. He he uh, he unlocks the door to the house and goes inside. And as he travels through the brownstone that he lives in, um, he sees his mother sitting at the kitchen table with a cup of tea. And like last time, she looks up and smiles at him. So what is a significant memory that you have with your mother like what is a memory that sort of like defines your guys's relationship probably would have been when when ezra like had first started developing uh his his sort of supernatural is not the quite word quite the right word but his powers um and like you know being kind of scared uh, of that because of the various things he, he probably had heard or witnessed uh living in this city uh, and just sort of her very, like, calmly bringing him down and explaining that he shouldn't be scared. Like, it's a part of him and, like, they'll they'll learn how to use it so that nothing bad happens. Okay. Yeah, so her being um, ultimately maternal in the face of, like, uh, in the face of, like, adversity for you in some ways. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Okay, so, um, yeah, so you walk into the room, and she smiles at you, and she says, Hello, Ezra. Hey, Mom. How was your day at school? It wasn't bad. It was a little boring, but they all can't be exciting. I guess not. I have been hearing some interesting things about you and your friends. Um, she kind of chuckles to herself as she takes a sip of tea, and she says, uh, Dr. Quantum, that's very impressive. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something. How are you feeling about that? <sighs> Part of me is, like, really excited for it, because we'll finally be able to, like, do good without all the, the I guess, bureaucracy attached to doing that. Then the guy who's mentoring us can literally read my mind. And he seems nice enough, but... How does the rest of your team feel about it? Uh, I think... I think overall we all kind of have something to hide, and the fact that where normally we could probably work ourselves up to talking to each other about these things, eventually we might not have that opportunity anymore. Because one slip up and Professor Quantum might learn what happened. Like, we'll learn what we're thinking about and bring it up as a potential complication to how the team functions. I see. Are you worried about how this will affect your big picture plans? Yes and no. Uh, like, I don't know. Everything the past couple days has been, like, not the greatest for thinking about 
future plans. Because, like, I, I want to be able to do good, but up until yesterday, that meant doing nothing and letting things happen and just going, well, I guess I'll wait for, for the, the real heroes to go do that. And that sucks, and I don't, I don't want to be wrong about doing this. And it's feeling like, it's feeling like that might be the case. Um, she reaches across the table and takes your hand as she says, it's rarely the right decision if you're trying to do good to do nothing. This is a complication, and I don't love that this, this hero is, is taking on a mentorship with your team. But hopefully this will free you up in some ways to do good, but I would steal your heart and stay suspicious of this. I know you're young and I know that you've still seen things, but the council does not have your best interests at heart. It, it was a struggle to get them to admit that we did good because all they wanted to care about was the fact that we acted. I mean, I'm forgetting the hero's name who was there, Hawk something or other. I don't think he even showed up to, to like the, the council meeting and he could have like backed us. He could have said literally anything to like support that we did a good thing. And he just didn't. Um, as we see Lady Midnight in this panel, we we see the contrast between her and Ezra, um, where Ezra's powers are light, hers are darkness. Um, and we see almost like a shadow over her. Um, her and Ezra look alike, but almost like they're different sides of a coin or different ends of a battery. Um, where Ezra can be optimistic, she is at times pessimistic. And they work towards the same goal, but even just the the way that they are physically and the way that we see them, we can tell that they're kind of like, um, there's, a, there's a constant struggle between the two of you. Um, and she says, there is a reason why they are happy for you to not act. I think that you should take this opportunity and try to finally do some good in this city. Okay, I'll, I'll think about that. I know we don't always agree on what that is or, or how to do it, but I think that you should try to get this guy out of here as soon as you can, or just keep him at arm's length, keep him away from your team, and you need to step up and be a leader and do what's right. All right, I'll, uh, I'll do that. Um, I want to do sort of another flashback with Ezra here. Um, what is a time that you have questioned your mother's like guidance to you or question her mission um her mission being that she will act as a villain for a greater good okay so it probably would have been uh like a couple years back um sort of before ezra had the idea to start doing uh, hero things, and I guess kind of function more as, like, a sidekick to his mom, uh, and, and, like, just, like, the minimum, uh, amount that he could, because she doesn't want to see him hurt, 
and like her goal is is good but watching her like openly work with some pretty awful people to to see that goal happen like consequences be damned would have been like a pretty pretty rough moment because it's like her heart is in the right place most of the time but a lot of the times the way she thinks about going about things gets ahead of that yeah I think that makes sense uh, she asks you is there anyone on your team anyone that can help you guard your mind against him uh I don't know what sort of technolo- technology straws people have, but they've they've gotta have like anti mind reading things. Like that just seems logical. Um, she nods and looks relieved, and she's like, "Good, good. Then that should probably be your next immediate step." All right. All right. It'll like be quiet for a moment before just like turning to her. How, uh, how prevalent in, uh, your job field is the idea that heroes are just cogs in a machine that doesn't necessarily give a damn? Um, she shrugs, um, and she says, many people see it the way I do, that the heroes are sort of a scourge here in Halcyon, and... I think that even sometimes when their motivations seem selfish, it can be because they see the world that way. They see a system that's set up to constantly bring everyone down and keep them in line at all costs. And I think that that's why most people want to fight against these so-called heroes. (sighs) Okay. Um, I'm going to think on that and not like ideally let that get to me horribly while I'm still doing this stuff but man I don't I don't quite think I like how things are done I don't think anyone really does that's why we need to carve our own paths yeah yeah to hell with like rules and shit I'm just gonna do good all right see ya um she she looks surprised and she laughs and she waves at you as you uh go where you're intending to go um where are you going he like just pivots, grabs his skateboard, and is immediately out the door, heading to the ship. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it now before I forget about it. <laughs> All right. Very nice. Um. So then I think that that's a good time to switch, as we see in our last panel. Um. Ezra on his skateboard. Um. We see the mountains in the background as he skates towards Straw's ship. Um. Okay. So what is everyone on the ship doing right now? Well, as skated with Ez toward his house and then went back, so I don't know how far it is to skateboard <laughs> back to the ship. Yeah, are you are you skateboarding the whole way or are you flying some of the way? Skateboarding. He doesn't really, like, use his powers where he's not in costume because he doesn't okay. want to freak anyone out. <laughs> yeah, it would probably take you, like... I would imagine it would be a while um, to uh, to just, like, skateboard your way there. So um, 
That, I think, would leave the three on the ship right now. Uh, Juno, um, Stravix, and uh, and Jackrabbit, who I'm sure has gone home from his uh, sandwich delivery. Um, what are you three up to? Juno's probably in her room thinking about um, her short time with Dr. Quantum and uh, like performing maintenance on herself. Okay. Jackrabbit is once again looking at the uh, like investigator corkboard they've got set up in their room, and I think this is the first time it really shows like what's kind of on there, and mm-hmm. it seems like it's a lot of stuff that has to deal with like portals being generated, like the power levels of them, like where they're coming from what came out from the other side. And I think this is the first panel that has like Jackrabbit with their hood pulled down and the gator pulled down, but this, the shots coming at it from behind. So you don't quite see their face, but the body language of it is just very, very frustrated. Like kind of feels like almost defeated in a way. And they just kind of, like, walk over to their bed and just kind of, like, plop face down onto it and just a deep sigh being let out. I think Straw, after his most recent communication, is kind of a nervous wreck. Um, He just got back to the ship from going to the supermarket and he is holding about a half dozen bags, can each containing like three two liters of Dr. Pepper. Oh, okay. Uh, and he just like drops them still in the bags, like in the kitchen, and grabs like two. And uh, he's gonna go knock on Jack Rabbit's door. Dr. Pepper or Mr. Pib? Was it Mr. Pib? Did I say Mr. Pib? I no, forgot. You said Dr. Pepper. So do you mean it's Mr. Mr. Pib? Pib? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nicholas continuity. <laughs> yeah, the continuity. God. I I, no, I, it, I it, wanted it, to make sure it wasn't like, you know, as a as a crisis of faith. <laughs> Straw's now drinking Dr Pepper. He's like, this I kind of like doctor. No, no, no. <laughs> I, <laughs> no, no, no. He he went there looking for Mister Pib, and they didn't have any. Uh, but he's like in s- such a nervous wreck that he got the next best thing that they had. So he is, uh, settling on Dr. Pepper, but also getting like three dozen bottles. <laughs> oh yes. okay, okay, good. I'm glad I checked. <laughs> Under normal circumstances, he wouldn't have dared, mm-hmm. <laughs> but this is an emergency. But th- this situation <laughs> calls for a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> We need the professionals. <laughs> Mr. Pib is your good buddy, but he can't sweat it out when the going gets tough. <laughs> All, uh, right. All right. I like that. I think, I think Jack pulls the gator back up over their face and uh, goes and answers the door. And uh, upon seeing the Dr. Pepper's like, oh, you're going for the hard stuff today, huh? <laughs> it's all they had, but it'll have to do. Uh, Straw, who, like, looks nervous, uh, standing there, and obviously something is wrong, goes, nothing, I just 
What are you up to? <laughs> Smooth. <laughs> uh, just uh, yeah, just trying to. Great. Do you want to hang? New ways. <laughs> sure. Uh, what? What? What's? What's going? What's going on, Sarah? So, like, you um. You've kind of made it your uh, your thing that like you're not all about like authority and stuff, right? Yeah, uh, that's that that would be a uh, accurate representation of my uh, stance. Yeah. Um, well, I guess I was like, how do you do that? Come come again? Like what are what are, what are you getting at here, Straw? Like I don't. Well, like there was there's there's like hmm. How do I say it? Uh, expectations of me that I don't think are very fair, and I don't want to do them. He cracks the first Dr Pepper. And like downs half of it, makes a weird face, and downs the rest. <laughs> it's a fucking, it's a fucking liter, right? It's, liter? it's a two liter bottle. <laughs> okay, just just making sure. I will, I will never understand how you do that. Uh, he belches really loudly. Oh, the, my, my first piece of advice would be then don't do it. Yeah, that's what I was trying to do. But now it's complicated. Straw, there's quite a bit that uh, I don't understand about this situation, and to to know how to properly rage against a machine, you have to know what machine you're raging against. Like um, with you, when when I when I give you shit during our training, it's because I know that if I just start saying whatever the first thing is that comes to my mind that is contrary to what you're doing, it'll get you going. Uh, yeah, Prism Prism has explained explained that that's what you're doing. I still don't understand it, but she has isolated that pattern in your behavior. Um, at least that's the word she used. Okay, uh, we're going to have to take a look at that later, but just come, come into the room here and... Just sit down on the bed. I'm going to lean up against, like, a desk or something that's in there completely for show. Jack doesn't use desks. Uh, Straw does, so. And he cracks open the second uh, second Mountain Dew. No, (laughs) mixing (laughs) brands now. No, second Dr. Pepper. (laughs) Now, just, what's what's going on, Straw? Like, you got to give me a little something here. Yeah, but I, I can't tell you that much. But it's like, so... I guess it's like the the machine, as you put it, um, will invade the planet and destroy everything and subjugate the entire race of people if it is uh, raged against. He says, blurting out <laughs> in in a very poor attempt to use an analogy. <laughs> I think Jack is going to speed into you and punch you in the face. <laughs> Straw kind of flinches, but 
like he his shoulders don't turn, but his head does. And he goes, "Why do you think I'm coming to you about it?" I I I, I knew it. I knew the first time you came down. You this is this is all this is on me. This this is absolutely on me. I don't want any of this to happen. The the last time where I came from, the last time someone came down from space and started spouting out about this, it cost me everything, Straw. And now you're telling me, after I put aside every instinct in my body, that I said, don't trust this space feller, that you're going to come in here and you're going to... Now you're telling me that it's all part of another plan to enslave, wipe out, whatever it's going to do. Look, I, that's, look, that's what they want. That's not what I want. And as I understood it, it was my mission just to come and scout stuff out. But they weren't going to invade until I reported. So I just figured if I never reported, they wouldn't invade. So, so what you're telling me is, is all, all this. Is is any of is any of this genuine straw? Is any of the the people that you've made friends with here has any of that ever been genuine? Or has it yes, just been... it's all been genuine, and that's the problem. The first, what's the first thing you told yourself when you came here, Jack? You said don't don't trust the space feller, and then now we got another invasion coming. Look, that's that's great. That's that's great. Look, right. I was trying to stop the invasion. All this time, I haven't been sending them any information. Prism's just been collecting it all and storing it, and I've made sure that they don't send it off. And then he kind of stops like, oops. Um, You hear the Prism beep, uh, but she does not come online, but she doesn't come and say anything. She's like a fucking Alexa. You have to talk to her first. (laughs) (laughs) Say her name, and she's like, I'm listening now. Go for it. Um, but yeah, no, uh, straw like stops, like he blurted out too much information. Of course, of course your ship's been recording information. Uh, why, why, why wouldn't it be? That's just a sentient ship. Why wouldn't that, why wouldn't it be doing that? I haven't been reporting back any information back to Corazrel. And I figured if so long as they thought I was actively compiling information and putting together a report and then they would wait for that report before they invaded. Um, but as it turns out that that's not actually the case and, and look, I'm coming to you because like, I thought maybe you'd be able to like provide me some insight on how to, you know, stick it to my mom who wants to come and enslave all of humanity. Uh, Jack is just kind of like pacing around as you say this and just like comes up and just kind of like grabs the front of your shirt and says, you want me to trust you and help you and not just throw you out and call out everything and let everybody know what's going on here. Actually, then this you're going to get, you're my... going to get the, t- I mean, in a metaphorical sense to the water community of Halcyon city, <laughs> you dance space feller. No, what I'm saying is you're going to call the team together and you're no. going to tell them. No, 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 we can't tell the rest of the team yet. No, I I have the I have been through dealing with space folk that want to destroy a planet. 
yeah, I'm hoping we could handle that without having to tell the rest of the team. That's what I'm asking your help with. Here's the problem. I've been through it, and the only reason I came out of it is because of a team. You want to know what I gave up? I gave up everybody remembering anything about me where I came from. One person out of billions remembers who I am and where I came from. Nobody else remembers me. You don't understand the level of sacrifice that I have made in my life because of fucking space fellers. And if you want my help, you want my trust, we're going to tell the team and we're going to deal with it as a team. You hear me? Um, at this point, uh, Prism, uh, you hear her ding online again and she says, Warprint Stravix, would you like me to remove Jackrabbit? No, Prism. Go away. Warprint Stravix, may I remind you of the importance of the plan? I am very aware of the plan. This is all part of the strategy. And then he, like, turns and, like, winks very hard at, <laughs> at Jackrabbit. <laughs> Warprint Stravix, should I alert Morgrath the Blood Comet of the new strategy? No. This it is imperative that this strategy remains secret from everyone. This is a direct order from your commanding officer. Please shut down for now. Leave me alone. Um, there is a moment of hesitation, and then you hear affirmative war prince, and you hear a uh, prison power down. <laughs> Does that mean we lost power in the ship? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh! The illusions start to, like, slowly fade <laughs> away as you see uh, the ship. I imagine that the corkboard and strings and, like, general things in this room, like, mostly stay. Um, but the ship does, in fact, start to power down. Straw, like, looks around confused for a second and goes, Oh, I thought they were different systems. I've never actually done that. And you see, this is why you need your team behind you. Because you've got a ship who, even though it's following your orders and shutting down, its first instinct is to go up the chain. And technically, you're a stopgap in that chain, sure. But if they get an order from whoever this blood comet is, I'm assuming it's your mother, because that's the only person you've mentioned so far, then the, it's going to do what they direct it to do, because I'm assuming in whatever hierarchy of space folk you got, they're above you. Am I wrong? Uh, y no, you're, you're, you're right. All right, you're going to need your team to behind you, because not only are you going to have to be fighting against your own kin, you're going to have to be fighting against a military that, in this world... Uh, I'm sorry if you take a look around. We barely like each other. They think you think. Do you think they're gonna tell any difference between you and your space kin? I don't think they are. So you're gonna need people who you trust and trust you. And the first step in getting my trust back right now and in making sure that they have it is to tell your team what the fuck's going on. And I think I want to actually take advantage of my influence and. Sure. Uh, I want to sacrifice it to inflict a condition on you. Sure. I think that makes sense. <laughs> uh, do you pick the condition or do I pick the condition? Uh, I would suggest, like, insecure or hopeless, but I think... 
yeah, we're guilty. Um, I think guilty makes the most sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he, Straw just says, look, the reason I didn't tell any of you was because, like, I thought we weren't going to have to deal with this. I wasn't expecting to find all this here and find friends here when I came here. And I did. And I knew right away that there was no way we could invade this planet. So I tried to do my best to stop it. And I figured if I could do that, then there no reason you guys had to know. Because the last thing I wanted to do is to lose you guys. I think Jack just kind of like walks over to their cork board for a moment and just kind of like pauses and just slams their fist against it. And it's like, I, I had a teammate before that was a lot like that. And you're kind of reminding me. In this moment, a lot like them. Now, mind you, they were they were much more of a much more chaotic than you, and didn't really plan things. They just did them, but they kept a lot to themselves. And straw belches really loudly again. Yeah, that that still that tracks. <laughs> <laughs> Whether we have you or not, this is going to be a thing that we deal with, and I'd rather. I'd rather have you, but right now, you, you really ruined a lot of trust that I that I had had built up, even after putting every instinct about every space folk that came down that I'd had to p deal with before and in my past life. And it hurts, because I was finally starting to let y'all fuckers in. I was, I was starting to let y'all in. And thinking maybe, maybe I won't have to give up everything here. For this hero shit. I'm... I'm sorry. Well, right now, we need some actions to build that back up instead of words, Straw. Right. Ball's in your court. He, he nods. Speaking of friendship and action. <laughs> uh, you two can hear Juno's giant, massive feet clomping down the hallway as she yells, Jackrabbit! Strawvix, are we under attack? <laughs> uh, honestly, Jack was being real loud, especially after, like, the power stuff went down, like, power started going down. I... Don't think it's unreasonable that you would have heard at least some of that yelling. Might not have, maybe not have context about why, but at least heard that there was yelling going on. Uh, yeah, so let's say that Juno didn't hear anything that really made sense to her, but she was able to find where you guys were from the sound. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> as she's approaching straw like has a look of panic and looks back to jackrabbit and he says kind of quietly like i was actually considering going to juno first but my brain gets fuzzy when i try to talk to her so i figured you were the better choice <laughs> well here here's some something to keep your brain fuzzy stay on focus or i'm gonna hit you again straw slowly nods and downs the rest of his current dr pepper <laughs> um as straw is like looking up 
to down his uh, Dr. Pepper, he actually does sort of like behind Jackrabbit because Jackrabbit is facing him. He does actually see a little light that's like blinking in like the paneling of the room. Um, But as soon as he sort of like focuses on it, it stops doing that. And the room is just utterly dark once again. So Jackrabbit sees Straw go to take a sip and then stop and put lower the Dr. Pepper looking like over his shoulder. Uh, so when I would turn, you said that the, the light would would have stopped blinking, Fiona? Um, when Straw notices it, the light stops blinking. I kind of look up towards the direction that Straw is staring and don't see anything then. And Yeah, you don't see anything. It was just like a little light, almost like um, the light on like a smoke detector or something, like very mm-hmm. subtle, very tiny little bulb. That's all you see. Uh, so yeah, Juno approaches the door and uh, sort of kicks it open, looking very <laughs> panicked. Uh, <laughs> she looks at the two. Yeah, I imagine Juno has like shoulder lights, sort of like Cyborg in, uh, in yeah. Teen Titans that like pop up. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're on because it's dark in here and everyone is really alarmed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and she looks at the two of them and she goes, what's happening? Uh Straw is going to say, nothing, everything's fine. Um, But then reach up and place his hand on Juno's shoulder. And he's going to command some of the nanotech from his gauntlet to, like, I guess, uh, transmit a message into her hardware that says, we need to shut down Prism. So she receives that as just like an electrical message in her head. So, so Juno like turns around and starts trying to like look around the room. Her flashlights are going everywhere to figure out where this voice just came from. <laughs> uh, Straw is like going to like still standing in front of her like wave. And then when she looks back at him, like eye contact and you receive the message. It's me. I'm sending an electronic message directly to you. Um, she kind of pushes his hand off, kind of being a little, uh, like, scared that this is happening. And she says, um, why can't you just speak out loud? Uh, he, he says verbally, what do you mean? And then, like, gesturing, uh, like, gestures, can I, can I touch your shoulder again? Uh, she looks to, to Jackrabbit for help. <laughs> Jackrabbit has no idea of the electronic conversation that's happening. No, but I can I can at least tell that you're being incredibly awkward. And... <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs> I can tell you're being real fucking weird, though. Jackrabbit is, like, <laughs> mad at Straw, but also he ships it. So he's like, <laughs> let him <laughs> open up your heart. <laughs> I, I think we maybe all could use a nice calming trip away to the arcade right now would be a great plan that that sounds great i gotta check on my uh galaga high score but what about the ship why is the power out i don't know i, what you're I think about. we can i think i i think that uh the arcade would be a great place to uh talk about that right now or not why would we talk about the ship at the arcade yeah <laughs> straw says like glaring at Jackrabbit. Juno was very confused. (laughs) 
Um, I think that this is a good point for Asbel um, and Ezra to get back because, like, <laughs> there hasn't been quite. A, I I have a feeling that with Ezra's, yeah, Ezra would have caught up to Az. Um, so in the next panel, we're going to see them come in and start to make their way towards the voices in the powered down ship. Okay, so Dan, we're like sneaking onto the ship, right? Because this is fucking weird. <laughs> uh, well, I have to imagine that if if Prism is off, the door doesn't open. <laughs> All right, I'm about to fucking vandalize the ship to get in. Okay. <laughs> as and as, uh, the the dream duo here. You you two. <laughs> Um, having caught up to each other, uh, well, as Ezra having caught up to Asbel on his skateboard, um, you go to the ship. Um, you're standing outside where, you know, the entrance normally is, and I have to imagine that the ship also, um, has some, um, has some, like, camouflaging that it normally does. Yeah. I would actually imagine that whatever systems um, Prism turned off, she did not turn off like the camouflaging system. So I'm, yeah, I, I would think that she would like consider that to be pretty important. So I'm going to say that those are on a separate generator TM. So I will say that it is camouflage, but you guys know where the entrance is. And the entrance is just like closed and does not open for you and you also don't hear the like some of the familiar sounds that you might be used to so like of there being a giant fucking spaceship there <laughs> so i assume we've probably like pulled on the door and like tried to pry it open a bit and just kind of looked at each other confused at this point yeah so like the pales are basically like you guys like are, are sort of like talking to each other as you walk up um you sort of like stop look up at everything and then like we see a couple panels of you guys trying like the traditional methods of like knocking on the door pulling on the door a little bit and uh, now we are to what you're going to try next maybe if we lift up from the bottom okay like that that's worked before not in like this situation but I've seen it work before in real life or in a movie no not in real life at all okay all right, that's... But who knows? Who knows? No idea is truly original. I think I can get us in. Could we message them? Is that an option? Oh. Oh, but fuck, if something's going on, they probably can't answer. Okay. I'm gonna... I've never done this before, but I can probably do it. Okay, that bodes well. <laughs> <laughs> I think... I'll try to I'll try to teleport us both in. It's not that far, so like I can probably just do it. Um, are you trying and unleash your powers here? Since you said that you've never attempted this before. Yeah, I think because there's on my doom signs my my power one power that I have from it is portal, which is to mark my doom track to appear in a scene with anyone I want, which implies that only I can travel with it. So I'm kind of trying to stretch that. Yeah, I think that that would be unleashing your powers then. Cool, so I'm gonna kind of, um, hesitantly raise my hands and just, like, put them on Ezra's shoulders and be like, I might need to get kind of close. Okay. Okay. And he's gonna, like, kind of, like, hug Ezra and then try to do this. <laughs> Alright, roll plus freak, please. That is... 
Oh, that's good. That's a 10. Ooh. Um, yeah. You are able to do it. Um, so describe what happens and, like, where you end up and what this, like, looks like. Okay. So, um, just before, like, just after Asbel hugs Ezra and is about to do it, he's like, it's gonna feel cold. And then there's just, like, a whoosh. Ah, that's why you're hugging me, so we stay warm. Cool. (laughs) And Asbel blushes. Um... (laughs) And then, uh, there's, like, this, for Ezra, there's, like, this sensation of, like, almost, almost when you're dunked in, like, a cold river, um, and there's a full, like, it's really not long at all, probably only a split second, but it feels very long of, like, just being, like, floating in a starscape, and then... Uh, Asbel kind of, like, tugs and, um, like, tugs Ezra and then tugs, like, at at this void and, like, rips it open and they are on the other side of the door assumedly in the kitchen-ish area that's where I always imagine the door opens up and the portal of the starscape just closes behind them and Ezra realizes he's st- I mean, Asbel realizes he's still holding Ezra and kind of, like, lets go and shakes his arms out. He's like, okay. That worked. And he he's noticeably a little paler, but smiling. Do you want, like, a, a water or anything? Uh, maybe after we figure out what's going on. You know, that's fair. Hello? Um, I will allow the two, uh, the two teams at this point to sort of, uh, hear each other. Um, surprisingly you guys from where you are um there's probably various noises that you hear on the ship it is alien technology um but there is the sound of stuff happening usually but it's almost like a refrigerator hum where you don't like notice it most of the time um with it all being powered down the ship feels like pretty empty and almost echoey but you guys would you you two would also notice that the things there that um prism has added with the nanotechnology has uh, faded away i imagine that there are like so that you're not in like total darkness and can like see each other there are like very dim emergency lights like recessed into the ceiling um but it's still pretty dark and it feels like very cold and sterile. Um, much on really not like the home that you guys have made there. And um, you all hear uh, you all being um, Stravix and uh, Jack Rabbit and Juno hear uh, a faint uh, call call out from uh, from the kitchen area. Everything's fine. There's nothing to worry about. <laughs> As well, next Ezra noticeably sighs in relief and like untenses slightly. <laughs> okay. Everything is 100% normal. I'm not going to have to like crawl into a to an air duct, am I? Asbel raises the skateboard back up after Straw <laughs> says that one like mm. <laughs> He's got to understand how suspicious that sounds, right? <laughs> I, I would also note just like as a thing, I imagine that Straw would like know how to turn the ship back on like pretty easily from like the captain's chair. Um, but I know that that is not in your 
guys is playing up. I would imagine he would like know how to do it if he did want mm-hmm. uh, Prism to come back online. I'll kind of shrug to Ezra and like I feel like and just shakes his head and just not nods to start going over there. Ezra will like <laughs> shake his hands a bunch and then light will emerge from it like a flashlight. <laughs> oh, that is very helpful. Right. I always thought the application of this power was kind of pointless, but now super useful. As is still like holding his skateboard as if he's going to use it as a bat if need be, even though he has superpowers. I think Jack yells out, everything's fine. We need to have a family conversation. Not here. Should we go out for dinner? I was suggesting the arcade, but I think any situation that is not here would be ideal. The last family conversation I saw at that arcade, a child vomited, so could we, like, not get to that level? (laughs) That's a good point. I could eat. (laughs) Stravix. (laughs) I I think first we should actually not be shouting across the ship at each other. We're in the kitchen. Should we come to you, or... I mean, if we're leaving, you should just come to us. Also, the door doesn't work. Oh, um, yeah, we'll, we'll come to you. Uh, I'll see if I can open the door. And then we go to the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> there is the uh, pitter-patter of, of little feet as you go into... Uh, and the clomp-clomp you... of big metal feet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. As you uh, as you enter, as you enter the kitchen, and you are all a group again, um, Straw, I will let you figure out how to open the door. It's totally fine if you are just like able to do that because of your innate connection to like the ship and such. Yeah, I think um, like Straw's like personal nanotech system, like built into his gauntlets and his suit and stuff, is is separate from Prism, so mm-hmm. he can like use that to like temporarily like link the door to his system enough to open it i i think that that makes sense yeah all right so you guys are able to um exit the ship um as we get into the next panel where do we see you guys do we see you at the arcade Hello listeners, I am your GM and host, Fiona L.F. Kelly. It's been a bit of a break since the last episode. Um, We did do a special Briar and Bramble one-shot. I am very pleased to announce that Briar and Bramble was in fact fully funded on Kickstarter. Um, I am so excited to get the full art book. If you haven't listened to that, go give it a listen. It was a lot of fun to do. But now we're back into super. And I hope that you're all eager to jump into episode four. This was one of my favorite episodes to record. The players all really threw me through a loop and we didn't do anything I planned, but it was still a lot of fun. Um, We got some really great role playing and character development. And it's just overall a really good feeling as a GM when you can just sit back and 
let the players take control of the game and watch as it all unfolds. It was a it was a nice break. I had a lot of fun. Uh, this weekend, a number of cast members will be at Con on the Cob as vendors, guests, and event runners. If you're in the northeastern Ohio area and are fully vaccinated, stop on by. Project Derailed will be hosting a special Voidfarer live episode with three special guests, including... Cliff, who plays Jack Rabbit on this season, Justin Curry, and Juice Lee. A special thanks to my players who have been joining me throughout this season. Uh, Kitty and Dan play the dynamic duo Asbel and Ezra, respectively. Nicarasi Venai can also be found on the Spelljammer-inspired 5th edition actual play and any nominated podcast, Tales of the Voidfarer. You can find Chelsea online making art, keeping up our Discord server, and making candles. Chelsea is a co-owner of Plot Kindling Candles. Plot Kindling Candles make tabletop RPG-inspired candles for all of your tabletop gaming needs. Plot Kindling Candles will be at their first in-person vendor hall at Con on the Cob this weekend, so again, if you're in the northeastern Ohio area, feel free to stay stop on by and buy some candles. And finally, Cliff is everywhere all over the internet. Cliff is the internet. Uh, you can find him making nerdcore music as one half of 2D6. Uh, he will be doing a couple concerts this weekend at Con on the Cob, so that'll be really fun to see Cliff perform. He tweets from Just Evil DM things, and he is the DM on the On Hiatus, Taverns, Travels, and Tests, a Food Network and meme-inspired actual play podcast. This season's game is Masks of New Generation. Music for this episode was provided by Tom Goldthwaite and purple-planet.com. And now a word from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by DB. DB is a Scandinavian brand that makes backpacks and bags to help people on the move stay ready for anything. From the streets to the peaks, DB's gear is travel tested by some of the world's best athletes, adventurers, and creators. Over the past decade, DB has designed and developed, released, and refined the best bags on the market. With DB's patent and hookup system, you are able to attach smaller products to your backpack, roller, or tote. Every time we talk about DB, we always like to talk about how important the right luggage is for traveling. Uh, Even though it's relatively close to some of us, we will still be traveling with just so much stuff to con on the cob. Um, Anyone who's ever been to a convention can relate to that. And it is essential that you have the right luggage so that you can bring all your vendor hall purchases back and you can take all the things that you need for your events and everything to the con. And as cons are getting started back up again, the right bag is so essential. We are teaming up with DB to exclusively offer our listeners 10% off your next purchase by using the code POD10 or going to our link in our show notes. DB, it's time to move on, time to get going. Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you'll get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at podgo.co. And remember to add fables around the table in the how did you hear about Podgo section of the application. Now let's get back to the show. Uh, Jack just kind of was saying any location off of the ship, but just trying to keep it as normal of a place that we would all go as possible in case, uh, Prism didn't really shut themselves off when Straw said to. So I think it could be, as far as Jack's concerned, it could be anywhere. It could be like 
outside out of like theoretical listening distance of the ship or it could be either somewhere to eat or somewhere to uh play arcade games let's let's what would be on the boardwalk let's go get boardwalk pizza that sounds great i did leave home before dinner i do realize that now (laughs) um so you guys um are on the boardwalk um, it's a it's a typical sort of crowded boardwalk. You see like um, you see like sunglasses kiosks and and such. Um, it is colder because you guys are so far north. Um, there is a beach, but it's not like you know a lot of people going and like um, chilling in their swimwear and like setting themselves because it is still on the colder side. You are still in uh, in April. Um, so yeah, um, what's around you guys? What do you see? What do you do? Well, imagine the boardwalk has, you know, because we hang out here a lot, because uh, that's where everything is. So that's where the arcade mm-hmm. is, and, you know, kitschy shops where Straw's gotten all of his magnets and stuff for the fridge. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, Those are real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those are real. No, th- that, was, that was actually my first thought when Fiona was describing, like, the stuff Prism's made is not there. I'm like, but the magnets are still there. I know those are real. <laughs> yeah, uh, those are real. <laughs> And uh, those are real, and everything Straw has won um, at the like prize counter at the arcade. Yeah, and, like balloons, uh, like balloon cart, and you know, mm-hmm. ice cream cart, and lots of you know, people selling random stuff, like just barking at everyone walking by. And I assume that we're at like a sit down like patio. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. You guys have um, managed to get a patio. You have a little table to yourselves. Um, there's probably like an umbrella that's up shielding you from the sun. Um, it is getting into um, the late afternoon, early evening now. Um, so you guys like see the sun setting and such. Oh, Straw has been fuck. pretty quiet the entire transit over here. And as soon as we sit down, he grabs a menu and like hides behind it, basically. <laughs> Look. As looks notably concerned and raises an eyebrow and, like, is looking to Jackrabbit and Juno, kind of like, what the fuck? Juno still looks very freaked out about everything. Oh, hey, Straw, quick question. Hmm? Can you make anti-mind-reading things? (laughs) Um... Well, me? No. That might be something that I could have Prism do, but I don't know if that's going to be possible now. Is she, like, up? Is she updating? Is it, like, a maintenance thing? We were attacked! We not what? attacked. What? We, no, we we weren't attacked. There not was, exactly, no. We, we've got a situation coming, folks. And I thought we were going to wait until after food to get into this. Um. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you tell it on your thing. But it, we, we haven't been, we weren't attacked. That's not why Prism is down right now. Prism is down because I asked her to go down. Because she could 
perhaps be straw like like looks at jackrabbit like pleadingly but then like continues anyway <laughs> don't don't you're not good at metaphor man my, my man just you know. she might be uh going against my orders and reporting back to core as well um because i'm not doing my mission okay and that's bad I'm gathering that's bad. Yeah. I don't know if she has yet, but she was starting to, like, get kind of nosy about the conversation I was having with Jack. So I told her to go away. And when she didn't, I told her to shut down and that shut down the entire ship, um, which it's I didn't probably, realize. probably good that she didn't go away. Because what if she just, like, what if the ship just took off with all you guys in it? <laughs> I didn't even think of that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit! Let's go back. Actually, <laughs> I, I don't think she would have taken off because she, I'm pretty sure your ship knows you're literal, and you wouldn't have said that you wanted the ship to take off without using the words "ship take off." So I, I think if your if your ship can factor in my chaos into its planning it can figure in that you are very literal in a lot of the things you say yeah i i feel like i feel like we might be losing the core of the conversation here no no i i i have it but uh it's it's on straw to tell his truth yeah look i straw looks incredibly uncomfortable asbol will kind of like Gently rub Straw's shoulder. Um, Straw will say, "Look, when when I came here, I wasn't. I didn't know what I would find, and this past year." It's been a year, right? I'm still getting a hang of Earth time. Yeah, more or less. Okay. This past year has been kind of the best of my life. And I just didn't want that to go away. And your mission would have made it go away? Because... My primary objective being sent here was to report on all of the superpowered individuals defending this planet so that my people could adequately counter them when they inevitably invade. I think at that point, Jack Rabbit puts his hand on your shoulder. He's like, all right, that's a that's a first step in rebuilding some trust. Uh, Straw will nod and say, I thought I could stop it from happening if I just didn't report back. You know, being the progeny of the empress of the Zrel people, I thought they would wait until I at least reported back. So I figured if I just didn't report back, they wouldn't invade. And 
I just was contacted by my mother uh, and she said I had two Earth Weeks to complete my report and that they would invade. And the reason that we ended up getting the ship shut down was because in a rather, I would say, reasonable fit of anger on my part, uh, loudly explained to Straw that uh, space sellers coming to take over is something I've dealt with before and is not a uh, very good thing to find out. And uh, apparently... The ship's been compiling information, not just on, uh, you know, what Straw has given it, but also anything like that. So anything that you might have been, might have said or done in the ship, like my intentional, uh, uh, meandering around about the, uh, training and, you know, all that kind of stuff, I imagine Juno, we probably biometric scans from uh, anything you might have had directly connected in the ship. Uh, that's all stored, and if it hasn't been sent, it's in files being prepared to be sent. I've been intentionally telling Prism to not send the information, but it has still been collected. And not just ours, but Prism has been scanning all of Earth's systems, compiling an extensive data on every super on this planet. And, and while Prism responds to my orders, she is fundamentally loyal to the Zrel Ascendancy. And might be disobeying you? Given recent events, that is a concern. So we got two weeks to figure out how to, like, stop an invasion? All right. You guys aren't aren't going to stop being friends with me? No. That seems like a good way to get Earth invaded, honestly. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> I, like, lied to you guys for over a year, and my people want to come and make Earth the next meaningless conquest in their galactic domination. Yeah, I might be the key to the world ending, too, so, you know. Having a secret is hardly lying to us. I guess that's true. Here, here's the deal. I came from a place another... It's not just a universe, and if your people knew about this, they'd probably just get some kind of invasion boner, but uh, there's a multiverse out there, not just a single universe. And I, the only reason I'm here right now is from sacrificing myself so that my old universe wouldn't get rewritten by some space feller, which is kind of why I don't trust you. There's a lot behind that that I'm not getting into, and we don't really have time to get into it, especially if we only have two weeks. But, like I said, it's going to take some time to rebuild the trust that we had, Straw. But, I've started letting y'all in, 
I, I like y'all. And I, my thought if I came here and just kept my head down, just did my heroine and whatever, it would be fine. And if I had to give up another universe, then that's what it was. But I got something to fight for here. And honestly, Strop, I don't hate you. I'm real fucking mad at you. But I don't hate you. And I'm hurt. But I ain't having nobody invade the thing that I've actually started to like. Straw nods. And I guess I just worried that if you guys knew the truth. Look, before I came here, I was just regimented being the only progeny of your entire people's empire basically means I was trained and raised from birth to be a warlord. I mean, your ship has a combat simulator. Right. You should see the ones we have back home. They put my ships to shame. It'll even simulate taste. It's wild. What? Why would you need that? <laughs> I, I don't know. Wait, is, is biting people like a common combat strategy? Oh no, it'll 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 simulate anything. Infiltration, espionage. Okay, I'm gonna need to know this because I just got told that multiverse stuff is real. Is there any chance that this is a simulation? You just don't know it. Well, that is a prevailing theory that any given no. reality is just a simulation of another greater reality, but that's all been way above my head. I just kinda roll with stuff. Although, he turns to Jack. If my people knew about all these other multiverses, it would inevitably mean they would try to conquer them all. So, um, we might want to keep that to ourselves. Yeah, I think that's a pretty prudent idea. Since Juno's been quiet for a while, Asbel's just gonna kind of, like, glance over at her and just kind of try to see how she's doing. Not say anything, just, like, taking a look. Uh, yeah, and, and Juno looks like she's, like, processing all of this. She's very sort of, um, it's not quite emotionless, but almost, like, uh, deep in thought, trying to uh, solve some kind of massive problem. Yeah. With, when uh, attention is kind of brought to Juno, Straw will look at her and uh, say, Oh, uh, I wanted to apologize for the communication thing earlier. I didn't want to give any give prism any more information than she already had it was the only thing i could think of uh and she she gets a, a small nod i guess i should have asked permission first but i didn't think of that in the moment i was kind of panicking hey juno um do you want to go on a walk um she looks at asbel and she she nods and stands up as will nod back and be like, we'll be back soon. And kind of like opens the gate, I assume there is. Do you want us to order an appetizer for the table? <laughs> I could crush some mott sticks. Mott's, mott's, mozzarella sticks sound fine. Extra marinara. And uh, we see in each panel the camera sort of like... Uh, zooming out as the two groups start to separate now, um, Asbel and Juno and um, the other three sitting at the table. Um, so Asbel and Juno, where do you where do you go? 
I just kind of start walking aimlessly, yeah. Yeah, I guess we just kind of, like, go along sort of the, the quieter part of the boardwalk. Mm-hmm. As, as quiet as it can be with gi- Juno's giant clompy feet. <laughs> <laughs> and Aspel doesn't really say anything, he just walks and, like, occasional glances up at Juno, just trying to give her the space to talk if she wants to. Yeah, and Juno doesn't say anything for for a very long time um, before she she kind of says, "I don't think I can be a part of this." Uh, the team or this thing with straw or I I don't know. Everything has gone wrong. Well, invasion is not what the plan was. Clearly it was. But not for you, of course. Not for... Not for Straw, either. What do you mean, not for Straw? That was his objective. Why couldn't he have just done what he was told and left us all out of it? Well... If he was just going to do his objective, we'd still be part of it. Just... He would have actively betrayed us. There wouldn't have been a betrayal if we weren't friends to begin with. Would it be better if this happened to another group of people? Another superhero team? Perhaps there should have never been a team to begin with. I think Juno should take a condition here. Yeah. I I I feel like it's pretty heavy stuff that she's dealing with. I'm going to suggest Hopeless. That's just kind of what it sounds like, but angry could also work. <laughs> I think hopeless also sounds. Uh, yeah. So I had I had insecure before, and now I also have hopeless. Um, Juno. Um, I want you right now in the conversation. Um, tell us what memories or moments in her life is influencing what she's thinking here. Um, you want me to bring this up in the conversation or am I just having a flashback? You're just having a flashback. Okay. You, you can bring it up in the conversation, um, but I, I will leave that up to you if you want to. But what I'm asking right now is for um, a flashback or like an insight into uh, Juno's mind. Um, Juno's remembering a time when um, she was part of sort of this, uh, team that was sort of, like, educating, um, like, young teen models how to do things, um, and sort of the, the program was made to, uh, like, teach, teach the, the, the girls how to, to work together and, like, work upon everybody else. Um, but Juno was always kind of the, the weak link at this kind of thing, and the other girls made her uh, very uh, aware of that. Um, to the point where, where Juno lost the thread of a lot of time was she didn't quite understand not following instructions to the T or adding your own flair on things like that. Um, so with this hopelessness and insecurity she's feeling now, she's thinking back to this time where uh, she was doing what she was told, but still it wasn't 
good enough or correct. And the reason that she was seen as incorrect was because somebody else was doing it better by not following the instructions. Um, so as she's kind of walking along with, with Asbel and she's thinking back to everything just heard at this table where everybody was like, no, this is fine, of course, you know, we're all in the same boat. And Juno knows that she is not in the same boat as them. She's been trying to do everything right. She's the one that's been keeping the team on the books and in regulation and all of that. And yet, here we are being punished. Yeah, I think that's good. Um, and let's focus back in on the conversation. Yeah, so uh, Asbel, uh, when he looks at Juno, can, can see her getting a little uh, more expressive. Uh, she looks a little more uh, like the despair that she's feeling is very evident. I know that this group is like really my only friends. I know that's kind of the same for most of us. So this is really weird, right? <laughs> to be told that, you know, Straw was supposed to come here and just use us for information, not actually be friends with us. And be told that in two weeks, everything's supposed to... But I think that... I think that that's why we're here, right? We're here to be heroes. And sometimes that also means we need to be heroes for ourselves. Put that slogan on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Asbel, mm-hmm. how does this moment with Juno, how does the things that Asbel is saying to Juno, um, how does that relate to the journey Asbel has taken? Um, sort of asking you the, the same thing that I did with uh, Juno to give us a little bit of an insight into Asbel's mind. As his whole life hasn't really gone to plan. Um, you know, all his parents wanted was your picturesque happy family and they got a baby with very weird powers that had a weird mark on him that started growing that wasn't cancer and maybe for once you would have preferred it to be cancer as opposed to whatever it ended up being so the whole happy family, easy life plan went off the rails very young. And so Asbel just kind of has this philosophy of you have to do what you can with what you've been given. And Asbel knows he doesn't have a lot of time to do that. 
So he just wants to do good for his friends and for the world with the time he has left. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that um, that makes sense. Um, do you two continue to talk to one another? I think what happens is, after Asbel says that, uh, Juno stops and she looks at him. And she says, um, you should go back to the others. What are you going to do? I don't know. But I can't go back to them right now. I'm sure I can stay with you if you want. No, you deserve to be with them. Aswell shakes his head. What do you deserve, Juno? Because you deserve to have a friend, too. Uh, Juno looks at Asbel and, and shakes her head and just turns to and walks away. Hmm. Asbel kind of like watch her. And then I think that's probably where that scene's gonna cut. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, so we see Juno walking away and Asbel um, looking after her. Um, does Asbel return to the table? After a bit, he will. Okay. He, he might just kind of, like, watch her until, like, she kind of disappears in the crowd and kind of, like, look at the ocean for a bit before mm -hmm. heading back. Yeah, uh, when you return to the table, um, the mozzarella sticks have arrived. Um, <laughs> they, <laughs> yes! I, I, I'm sort of imagining a panel where, like, Straw has one, like, sort of hanging out of his mouth. <laughs> it's like the cheese is stretching. Um... Yeah, so you get back to the table, you all have mozzarella sticks and a big problem. <laughs> <laughs> put, put that one on a shirt. Yeah, <laughs> really. <laughs> That's the issue Ugh. title. <laughs> mozzarella sticks and a big problem. <laughs> um, yeah. What do you guys do? Yeah, Asbel has returned, lacking a Juno. Um, is Juno okay? No. <laughs> I think she needs some time alone to deal with this. Um, Straw looks sad. Aww. I mean, it, it's, it's big news. I think that a lot of us kind of, um, have slightly skewed sensibilities when it comes to this kind of thing. Where, uh... You know, we might be compartmentalizing this. But, whatever. That, that seems fairly accurate. I've been heroing for a lot longer than it seems, and this is typically the kind of thing that comes up a lot, where we all say we're gonna deal with the emotional part of it after we deal with the actual, like, impending threat. But it never gets dealt with. Yeah. So I think Juno's skipping the part where she's trying to tell herself, you know, that we'll deal with the emotional part later, and she's dealing with it now, which, honestly, probably healthier. <laughs> now we'll sit down and grab a mozzarella stick. <laughs> Um, yeah, you are you are able to launch a mozzarella stick. Um, the sun is starting to get lower in the sky. Uh, I think you're going to start seeing a uh, side of 
uh, Jack that y'all ain't never seen before, and it's a side where in a past life they were actually in a leadership position. Uh, we need to do what we can to uh, m keep everything from seeming like we're trying to throw every monkey wrench we can find into it. Straw, if you have any more communications with your uh, commander, mom, whatever, we need to. You Come need on, to dude. do your best to just make it seem like you're still on board. That everything is going to plan. We need to find a way to either get some sort of replacement uh, artificial intelligence, and I know that ain't nothing that we got right now is really going to be that comparable to what. Uh, to what a Prism can do right now. So our best bet might be to find some way to hack Prism. Well, I had an idea, but she didn't come back to the table. Uh, so why do we need another artificial intelligence? Well, all of, almost all of the ship systems are controlled by Prism. If we remove Prism, we're removing the control center. And also, you know, the whole... For majority of us, you know, the uh, home we've kind of made over the last year. And so the idea is that right now, like, uh, like Straw said earlier, Prism is loyal to the uh, Empire thing, your, your space empire, first and foremost. The Zoral Ascendancy. Right. I, forgive me for, and I know it's your culture, but not caring what the people that want to invade us call themselves. That that's that's fair. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Star Wars reference and call them the Empire. So the Empire is wanting to uh, you know come down, and that's who Prism is first and foremost loyal to because Straw has a place in that hierarchy. Uh, it will listen to Straw, but if a command from a higher up person who happens to be Straw's mom comes down, Prism's gonna follow that. We need to find a way to either alter Prism's loyalty ideally, or get something else that can run the ship in there. That feels really fucking bold. I kinda get what you're going for here, but if we've got two weeks, I think we have, like, slightly more important things than potentially trying to reprogram an alien artificial intelligence. Just, like, keep her off. Well, there's th there's that, but we don't. Is it possible for them to remote start the prison? I'm not like I don't fully understand the nuances of how the technology works. I only I just use it. We have like entire nanotech engineering teams equipping our entire troops. Strong needs um, to call IT and ask. <laughs> I need to call the customer support number. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's out of warranty. <laughs> My concern is that if we leave Prism off for an extended period of time or anything happens to where they think that Straw is trying to fuck around on them, that time two-week timetable is just going to go out and they're going to come in effectively blind and my my goal here right and i'm not convinced that prism is entirely shut down either what do you mean uh 
she may have minor systems that can run in the background that can continue to record what's happening on the ship even when she was shut down, which is why I didn't want to overtly talk about what was happening earlier. Um, or she could just be pretending to shut down in response to my order to do so and not actually shut which down. Which is why oh. I said that we should go to the arcade or another location to have this conversation. And we are here. So how does, like, how does the... How... Because cause you're like, you, you've, you've called yourself War Prince. Does that mean you're next in line? Like, how does your ruling class work? There, there's there's a complicated hierarchy. Uh, my mission actually here is sort of a rite of passage sort of thing, where I would, upon its completion, take my rightful place in that um, uh, chain of command. Uh, but as of yet, that has not happened. So while I do have a decent amount of authority within the Ascendancy, it's not official until I harbinge our next conquest do your people have like honor duels or anything um we don't call them that but basically okay okay so what happens upon like somebody winning an honor duel uh wow i need to create lore on the spot uh yeah sorry (laughs) sorry sorry man (laughs) you're in any any nominated producer now (laughs) uh well naturally the the winner would um assume uh the the loser's uh rank and uh command oh okay easy then we fucking plan for you to kick your mom's ass that actually is pretty straightforward i wasn't expecting that my mother is 752 years old and is a accomplished marshalist uh i don't actually know how probable that would be yeah but that's why you're not fighting alone i mean you're using the tools that you you have well that would void the honor duel if look look i she cannot if you go okay cool i'm gonna beat you i'm gonna challenge you to an honor duel using the things i've learned here on earth and then we roll up because, like, we're a team, and that's how teams work. If and then if your mom gets beat by like five teenagers, maybe she shouldn't have been like war queen or whatever the equivalent title is. <laughs> the blood comet. <laughs> like I'll straight up, I'll straight up <laughs> kick ass, dude. <laughs> Before we beat up Straw's mom, maybe. Should we tell Dr. Quantum? No, okay, I actually had a conversation with my mom about this. I'm really upset because I just got proven right about it. His inclusion in our little fucking team here has literally caused us all to have to get real comfortable saying some secret shit that should have came out naturally. Wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. No, wait, what does your mom have to do with that? I tell my mom things. Aw, my mom also kind of knew. She like she was like, "Whoa, Doctor Quantum, huh?" When I walked in the door this, uh, tonight. Well, it sounds like you have a really cool and special relationship with your mom, and I'm kind of envious of it. Yeah, right. Like yeah. out of character, do we know about what your mom's <laughs> up to, or is that just kind of a? Uh, you there there is a you probably know of the villain Lady Midnight, but but you but, don't uh, know. Ezra don't has know who not that is. said yeah. anything about her. 
Yeah. So, so straw, so straw saying that is extra ironic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I was just kind of thinking, if Prism is a special AI, I mean, she has a mind. Can Doctor Quantum mind control her? Does I'm he not... read minds or control them? I thought he read minds. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know if that would work. Well, see, the other thing, and I don't know if this is feasible or not, because the, the data that Prism has been collecting doesn't indicate that it would be a factor, but the one thing that would assuade an invasion from happening is if I did make my report and it showed that Earth is overwhelmingly able to defend itself. But based on the data that we've collected thus far, it doesn't look like it. Uh... You know, not for nothing. There is a there is a villain who can bend reality, so may, maybe we are like of equivalent power scaling. Well, Straw, couldn't you just lie? Straw drops his mozzarella stick and says, "I honestly didn't think of that." <laughs> That's what being brought up in a military culture does to you. <laughs> I mean, there's the question of whether they believe you now that. You know, but I mean, we could try to, if we get some of the, you know, really big heroes in on it, we could falsify some shit, right? Are they actually going to be helpful in this? Strahd looks really nervous, and I go, I um, am a little hesitant on kind of letting people know. Well, we don't need to tell them why we could... As what kind of laughs and puts his hand on his face a second. He's like, we could tell them it's for a school project. <laughs> <laughs> that that would be funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I I guess the the more immediate thing is is what are we doing with like about Prism? Are we just kind of pretending that nothing's wrong for now? I mean, I guess if like we suddenly not return. She may have like a subroutine where she'll report back anyway. How often does your mom check in? More often than I'd like. Well, it's always at the most inconvenient times too. Right well, in the like... middle of a D and D session. <laughs> 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 too real. Uh, now, now we need to decide what our our characters play in D and D. No, that was just me bleeding over. <laughs> oh, wait, so you're, you're telling yeah. me we can use the command room to actually have life-size life minis? <gasps> we could! We could do it in the simulation room! It'd be so fucking cool! Alright, I'm off track. <laughs> My dad also always calls during D&D. Anyway, <laughs> um... Well, if she, like, tries to call while Prism shut down, what happens? I well, I, I I don't know. I didn't. I honestly didn't think that far. Honestly, me telling Prism to shut down, I didn't realize it would kind of destroy most of the systems on the ship for that time. Um, I didn't realize that she was that integrated. I didn't know Fiona would do that. <laughs> Listen, I didn't know that any of this would happen. <laughs> I guess that's fair. <laughs> uh, okay, like kind of a weird thing. If that's the case. If we try to, like, reprogram her, isn't that, like, giving her a lobotomy effectively? Because if telling her to shut down, shut everything down, then it's less that she's the command center of the ship and that she's a brain to a body. Well, 
I don't know if she actually truly shut down or not because I noticed that there was a blinking light that stopped as soon as I noticed it um, earlier, me, making me think that maybe she was still watching our conversation even after I told her to shut down, which makes me think she may not have actually shut down at all and only made it appear as if she shut down. That's pretty suspicious. I, are you I wait wait? Are you saying Prism just fucking pranked us and shut and turned everything off as a as a joke? I don't think it was a joke. No, not as a joke. She wants to help enslave the entire planet. I had to teleport Ezra and I into the ship. The door wouldn't open. That was really hard. She commits to the bit. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> If, uh, if we want to, like, save the fixed prism thing for tomorrow, I, realistically, you guys could probably crash at my place. Yes! <laughs> so you're saying we can have a sleepover? Yeah, probably. I've never been to a sleepover before. Ah, uh, dude, me either. <laughs> <laughs> Straw's just the breathes-heavy cat. <laughs> <laughs> Asphalt has, like, gone really quiet and is, like, blushing and just kind of playing with the, his mozzarella stick at this point. <laughs> I know. I know we just ate, but I feel like we gotta buy a bunch of junk food and more Probably. Mr. Pib. Oh, he's feeling better. <laughs> he wants Mr. Pib again. <laughs> <laughs> you know he's in a real bad mood when it's Dr. Thunder. <laughs> Dr. Oh, Thunder. That's for, that's for when you really hate yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay so you guys uh finish up your meal and pay um on the way back are you are you guys like really going to ezra's house i think so absolutely <laughs> is ezra going to warn his mom <laughs> no <laughs> yeah, I was like, she, no, she's she's a villain. She works great on the fly. No, well, here's the thing: Are we gonna recognize your mom when we see to see her? No, I like to imagine that her like villain getup is her like wreathing shadows around herself in a way that leaves Got most it. of her yeah. uh, features. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you guys descript. would recognize her. I have Got seen it. the pit crews. She looks completely different as a villain. <laughs> um. So yeah, you guys um, stop at a convenience store and pick up some snacks. You also probably stop at this is what I'm imagining. You stop at a Walmart as well and buy some like sleeping bags and pillows. And um, so we see a couple panels of you all um, doing that gathering your sleepover supplies. Um, and what does Ezra do? Like how does he approach this? He just walks in with everyone. Yeah, uh, he'll, like, walk in the door, uh, and, like, if his mom is, like, sit on the couch, and be like, hey, uh, my friends are spending the night. Our alien friendship might be, like, spying on us, so we're just not gonna deal with that for today. Um, and she looks at, um, all of you, um, <laughs> so, yeah, she looks at all of you, um, sort of behind, um, Ezra, um, peeking in, uh, through the door, um, she sees that you all have, uh, have, um, have your sleeping bags and, um, lot, a weird amount of two liters of Mr. Pib, mm -hmm. and, um, she looks at all of you, um, I imagine she still has, like, a cup of tea in her hand again, that, that feels, like, very, like, yeah. nice mom to me, 
And um, she'll look very surprised, but then smile and get up. And she says, I will go order a pizza and walks into the kitchen uh, to do so. Hi, Mrs. Ezra's mom. I am more Prince Stravix, the star piercer, progeny of Morgoth, the blood comet, and heir to the throne of the Zarell Ascendancy and high score holder of Gallica at Halcyon City Video Arcade at 627 Pacific Avenue. Thank you for having me at your home. <laughs> um, what is Ezra's mom's name? Uh, it's Elizabeth. Oh, yeah. Um, and she says, um, nice to meet you. Uh, and she just puts her hand out and she says, you can call me Elizabeth. Aw, oh, she's the she's pulling the cool call me call me up my first name parent mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> Lady Midnight's a cool mom. Yeah, <laughs> she's, she's a good mom. <laughs> and I think on that, I want to uh, switch perspectives. Uh, what is Juno doing? Uh, so Juno's probably just been like walking through the streets, thinking about stuff, um, ignoring any calls. Because I like to imagine they would have at least like pinged her and was like hey by the way this is the yeah yeah ezra left like a text message that was like hey we're kind of crashing at my place tonight because the whole ship thing yeah uh here's the address if you want to also come over i honestly don't know how my mom feels about girls spending the night (laughs) (laughs) uh but like i can't imagine it will be that hard of a sell considering <laughs> she'll probably just think that if I've got like three other three of my other friends there's nothing going on you do also get a, a text message from straw saying you don't hate me now do you <laughs> oh. yeah and uh I mean as as did say you know we can check in with her later so that is kind of what he meant when he said that but you know for it, now he was like give yeah. her space to which Straw said, do you hate me? <laughs> <laughs> I think Jack sent a text that says, sup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Juno, Juno gets all the messages and reads them all, does not respond to any of them. Someone says a meme, but given the era, it's an advice animal. Good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Juno starts walking around the city, and like she she walks past the museum where uh, they, they stop the bat, and she walks by the more different her museum where uh, she met Dr. Quantum. I like museums, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and she's just kind of thinking about how, you know, all of this has gone horribly, horribly, horribly wrong. Um, and as she's locking in her melancholy, she sort of um, goes to the only place she can think of. And she finds herself... Um, at the address Dr. Quantum gave them if they ever needed him. Uh, and okay. she knocks on the door. I think that that's where we're going to end it. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> the final panel being um, Juno sort of like uh, double checking the address and uh, knowing that she's going up to Dr. Quantum's house and she takes like the robot equivalent of a deep breath, takes a knock at the door. And we will pick up um, next time. She gonna wow, snitch? That was, that <laughs> you was, better not snitch. <laughs> that was a wild episode. It was oh so my god, good. It was so good. <laughs> Woo, that was fun. All right.
straw Vix since you sort of kicked everything <laughs> off. Um, choose one of your end of session um, peripheral moves. Grow closer to the team. Grow into your own image of yourself. Grow away from the team. I think straw grew closer to the team. I think so too. Yeah, because Straw being so nervous about his team was obviously going to like abandon him when they learned the truth um, is is something that Straw was super super worried about, and the fact that that didn't happen, uh, at least for the most part, <laughs> Straw is like low key worried that like Juno's reaction is <laughs> uh, is just directly in response to him lying to the team. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I think growing closer to the team for sure. So I have to, um, explain who made you feel welcome, give influence to that character and clear condition and condition or mark potential. It was kind of all like Asbel, Jackrabbit and Ezra, like, but I think like the moment was probably like after straw explains everything and uh i think it was was it ezra that just kind of went oh okay like yeah. that's not a big deal mm-hmm. yeah I, I i think that that was it so i want to uh i'll give influence to ezra because that was like the realization of like oh wait no they don't all hate me <laughs> yeah okay i'm ha- i have influence over the entire team sans juno <laughs> clear condition or mark potential i will clear guilty okay i think that makes that, sense. that makes a lot of sense i think mm-hmm. all right um let's popcorn that to ezra uh i think ezra kind of grew into his own image of himself mm-hmm. as like you know uh uh talk with mom honestly pretty great mm-hmm. um and to sort of like, like in a very strange way, get proven right about his worries about like Doctor Quantum's involvement with mm-hmm. like, uh, Jack Rabbit, uh, not necessarily pushing, but like urging Straw to tell a secret uh, that could potentially shake up the team, uh, which, uh, according to my notes here, has. <laughs> <laughs> let me check my notes <laughs> um but sort of just like uh okay yeah like i i'm making decisions now i'm confident about them i'm also being proven right with mm-hmm. like my instincts on things uh pretty fucking wicked a plus job me mm-hmm. uh hell yeah and then like shifting labels up and down to to reflect that i'm gonna go crack open my book so I don't have to scroll through a PDF to try to find out specifically what these labels are referring to. I think I'm going to shift mundane down and shift superior up. Superior kind of feels like it's like more like confident actions. Yeah, it's like they, they're kind of like a, I'll set it like kind of like a double-edged thing, like superior like can be like outwardly like if somebody thinks that you know you're acting high and mighty but internally you can see it as like you know like hard to be like a tactician or something i feel like i know more about what's going on yeah for for ezra then it's it's more of like a uh i'm like more confident 
in like the things that I'm doing um, and I'm going to like trust how I feel about things a little more going forward. Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Cool. Um, okay, so let's switch to Asbol. So I'm kind of torn between grow closer to the team and grow into your own image of yourself. And I think I'm going to go with grow into your own image of yourself because using his powers earlier went pretty well and he was not entirely expecting that. And he's worried about Juno, but he's also confident that she's going to figure things out and he's he's okay with how everything came out tonight mm-hmm. and um thinks that you know he's handling things pretty okay <laughs> yeah so hmm, i think i'm gonna move savior up and danger down yeah i think that makes a lot of sense um, let's go to, um, let's go to Jackrabbit. They had the interaction with Straw and the interactions, uh, in the larger group. And I, I know I sacrificed my, the influence I held over, uh, Straw to give that uh, condition earlier. Uh, but I think that right now Jack is pretty upset still. So I think I'm growing away from the team and uh, it's kind of from Straw. It's not that Straw can't you know, earn that trust back, <laughs> but right now it is definitely strained. Yeah. I I think that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Straw no longer has influence over me. Okay. And uh, last but not least is Juno. I'm Juno. You're Juno. Uh, so I'm trying to think of what would be the most accurate thing to do here. My So my gut feeling is that I've run away from the team, naturally. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't mechanically have anyone to take influence away from. Mm. Is there something that happens if that's not an option? I don't think so. It's then just like nothing happens, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I think you definitely didn't grow closer to the team. So then I think it would have to be grow more into your own image of yourself. Yeah. And I don't know what that would be for Juno. <laughs> mm-hmm. So a loner. Yeah. <laughs> to me, fair. it might make yeah. sense if it were own image, and that image is a uh, like superior down, mundane up, because yeah. you're the only one yeah. who does what they're supposed to. Yes, yeah, so, like I think like mundane or maybe freak up would make sense. Yeah. Okay. And like superior and superior down. Well, superior is already um, as low as it can go. <laughs> okay. Holy um, shit, really? Yeah. My my stats are not good. <laughs> well, I, not it, 
I mean, no stat is bad, but I didn't, I didn't realize that somebody had like a minus two already. Yeah, my I, guess I, I have, have a minus. Three. I have a plus three already, so yeah, yeah, yeah I guess it makes sense. I've got plus one danger, plus three freak, plus three savior, minus two superior, minus two mundane. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Man, Juno, you all you ride in those extremes. <laughs> ride or die. Um maybe maybe a savior down. It does say uh when you shift a label, da 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 if you ever need to shift a label above plus three um or below minus two, mark a condition instead, GM's choice. Mm. Okay. okay. <laughs> that's, that's a little spicy. That's a little spicy. Yeah. So I so I would take um like uh, not superior i would take maybe like mundane or freak up and the condition i want you to mark is um i'm already hopeless and insecure if that helps <laughs> narrow it down no. <laughs> i am I, i'm going to give you afraid okay i i think that that sort of makes sense here um yeah i don't i don't think she's like necessarily angry but i think afraid because she did run away from the team yeah so i'm gonna give you afraid i think afraid makes sense because it's more like the the terror of feeling alone again yeah so yeah yeah we got we got a real warm fuzzy one this time <laughs> that was that was a session <laughs> Introducing Tales of the Voidfarer. Join the spacefaring adventures of a group of misfits in this D&D 5th edition podcast inspired by the 2nd edition setting, Spelljammer. My name's Marco Astorio. My character is a gif Yankee. My character is a doar. Adorable little penguin people. You're ravenous, right? Yes, I, 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 and you are. I, it's a pleasure to meet you. My name's Luckby Cumble. My name is Captain Valeria Rain, and welcome aboard the Voidfarer. Luckbeak, Ravnus, come on! <laughs> There's so much to see over here! Catch new episodes of Tales of the Voidfarer every other Tuesday, wherever you get your podcast fix. <laughs> that's funny. Wait, did you just hmm? say that's funny and not laugh, Ravnus? We really have to work on your social skills. <laughs> As you walk down the sidewalk, passing shops of all kinds, the cold wind stinging against your cheeks as the snow beneath your feet gives a light crunching, you see a sign above your goal. Chronicle Comics. You open the door, the ding of the bell letting the clerk know someone has entered. He looks up at your familiar face and says, Hey, uh, that comic you were picking up ended its run, but it looks like the company printing it as uh, something new out. And he hands you a comic. On the cover, a city along the water at night, searchlights across the dark sky. In each light are four faces with names in contrastingly colorful font below them. Falcon Girl. No, he would not be impressed. He'd be like 50 times more pissed than he already is at me. Royale. Yeah, watching and seeing what happens isn't stopping the crime. Remix! Am I the only one confused why Quasi can whisper? Quasi Raptor. Quasi never gets to eat. Above them, in white font with yellow bordering, the words Cape Chronicles. Available every first and third Wednesday of each month starting March 2nd, 2022 from Project Derailed, wherever you get your podcasts. It is cramped in here.
projectderailed.com.